What's up, everybody? This is Presto. Corporal Nossage. And you are listening to episode 86 of the Nintendads podcast. We don't know what the title of this episode is because there's so many things that are totally unrelated that we need to talk about. <laughs> it's called The Bucket of Stuff. I mean, that's as good a name as any, right? Right? Bucket of so. Stuff episode. Bucket of Stuff. Some good stuff. Some yuck. We can't call it Bucket of Yuck because some of it's that not yuck. Some sounds of it's... catchier than Bucket of Stuff. It does. But Bucket of Stuff is the right answer. But it's not all yucky. Anyway. Um, yeah, we have a bunch of stuff to go over. We got Dragon's Dogma, the first one, and the upcoming second one. Risk of Rain Returns, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2, uh, Dungeons of Eternity VR, Mario Kart Rumors, Fortnite Game Modes, GTA 6, Game Awards, all this stuff, and we're going to go through it all. And And much, much more. And much more. Just make three easy payments of Um, $95.99. But as always, we're going to start this episode with the classic question corporal what have you been playing presto so thank you for you asking me this i appreciate you giving me the opportunity I to know, talk an unexpected treat i it's it's very kind of you for our listeners you know my name is corporal nosage and I, i'm presto I, I i'm here because i i'm i, I am enjoying what i do and I'm going to talk to you about the games that I play now. Because and while you talk section... to it, I'm going to let my dog out of my office so you don't hear her whimpering in the background of this entire episode. <laughs> so while while I talk about the games, <laughs> I don't know why I'm dragging this on. <clears throat> I have been playing Bravery and Greed. Are you still playing it? Are you still are you yeah. sitting down on it? <clears throat> I was playing it with Little Red recently. Uh, two weekends ago. Um... It was fun. It's good. It's 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 uh, uh, I got him playing on his switch and me playing on my switch. So we got to test the online play, mm. um, obviously over the same network because he was in the same house. Um, uh. But it was still good. Um, uh, and it worked when he was at his mom's house and I was here, which is not the same house. How, um, how did it work when you guys were in different houses? Because that is my burning question. It seemed fine. I didn't see any difference. Okay. That's yeah. a that's a positive thing. I also found that it has an adventure mode, a survival mode, and a versus mode. And Ooh. we didn't get to try the versus mode. Well no, you don't so, want you don't want to do that to a kid. He'll never play with you again if you crush I mean, him on versus mode. Or if after he crushes you, you're not gonna want to play again. Somebody's getting their feelings. Maybe hurt. we just <laughs> need to teach him a lesson. Right in the pixels. Um, what else you've been playing? Uh, Fable, my friend Fable. I went back and I've started replaying Fable. Okay. Never I played that. Never played any. Of the Fable never games. played the Fable series. Never played any of the Fable games. If no. you ever want, I think Fable may be one of the original like modern games that took into account your actions and behaviors and how it makes you grow up in the game and how it makes your environment respond to you as you grow up in the game yeah i think you're right i think i've heard that that's like that it's, was it was one of the pioneers in like choices matter it, it and like choices do matter like you could 
killed the wrong couple people, and now the townspeople are mad at you. And you that go back to them. Seems pretty reasonable. You come back to them, and they don't want to sell things to you, or if they do, they sell them to you at a huge markup. Like it's <laughs> it, like you can actually piss people off, and it like will affect you. Um, also, like as the Fable series uh, went on, they like added dogs as your friends, and like if you are a bad person, your dog will get devil horns and like drapey wings. And if you're a good person, your dog will get a little halo and they'll float. <laughs> like there's, That's there's funny. like actual impacts that happen to you. So like, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Just wait till you play this game. Boulder's gate three. You want to talk uh, about choices, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're really I've nice to been... people in that game, they try to sleep with you. <laughs> I've also, yeah, they have. <laughs> I've also been playing my Oculus a whole lot, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. We shall. Um, I've been playing a lot of Dragon's Dogma 1 um, in the last... I think it's, it's been a couple weeks since we did an episode, but mostly in the last week I've been playing. That's basically been the only like non-VR game that I've been playing. And I am not alone. There are so many people. Hey, Tom, that perfect example. Tom T.S. Villa. You should follow him if you're not following him on Twitch and YouTube and all that stuff. Um, there's a lot of people I know that are playing Dragon's Dogma for the first time because Capcom did a Dragon's Dogma 2 uh, release date announcement. They revealed a new vocation. We will get to that in a moment. Um, but there's a lot of people either posting retrospect reviews, are replaying it, or are playing it for the first time. And I am in that boat. You, right before we started recording, you said you had the game loaded up. You haven't had a chance to start it yet. Yeah. I know Tom is. I know a lot of people, and maybe it's just me because I'm, I follow a lot of people in the Monster Hunter community, and Dragon's Dogma is like definitely got some monster hunter dna in there um but <laughs> uh but yeah a lot of people are playing it i'm really liking it uh we will talk about that more in a moment um i've also been playing risk of rain returns which we are doing a segment on um in this episode and that has been super fun uh, I've been playing with you. I've been playing with Nick Yeti. I've been seeing a bunch of people play on Switch, too, even though we're playing on PC. Uh, and then I've been playing Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 here and there, which we will have a, a hearty chunk of this episode. Um, and in realizing how long this is, it's probably going to have to Tom's on the Twitch side, too. Look yes. at that. It's everywhere. Silver. He's fast. Silver is everywhere. He's got that villa speed. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'm going to go through and do a, I'll call it a mini review on this episode. Um, and I do have enough to say about it where it's going to have to be a standalone video and I'm actually going to do it. Unlike the many other games like Diablo two and Baldur's Gate three, which we did not do full videos on, but I'm going to do it. Um, and then, yeah, uh, VR Dungeons of Eternity, which we are also going to talk about. What are you drinking, Corporal? Um, I am drinking the very thing that gives me purpose, the very thing that provides me with life and essence. Every the sad day. thing is I already know what you're talking about. I already the, know 
the very thing that is approved by my doctor to not further my diabetes. <laughs> LaCroix. The most subtle suggestion, whisper in the wind flavoring. Just a sprinkle of a suggestion of a flavor. Like ready? Like ready? Watch. I'm going to also have some LaCroix. Ready? Look, here's just plain water. Lemon lime. There. It's LaCroix now. It is now. <laughs> That's how LaCroix is made. I saw it behind the scenes. It's not carbonated properly, but it's it's there. You so. had said at one point that LaCroix are like having a uh, a soda can in the same warehouse as where a, a barrel of fruit was kept. Yes. Yes. Diffusion. <laughs> um, I, so, uh, good friend, Vernicky, um, who you may see uh, in some of our streams and in our Discord, <clears throat> he gave me a electric coffee grinder for my birthday. And so barf now day. I can make, on my barf day, and now I can make large amounts of coarse ground coffee. So I've started making my own cold brew again. And I realize that I have completely forgotten how to make my own cold brew yeah, because the first batch was way too weak. So I have to relearn that. But I don't have to spend an hour grinding my grinds by hand. Um, but I am drinking cold coffee right now, as no one does. No longer doing that uh, of on the prairie. Capcom Creator Cup. Look at that. So beautiful. The wonderful. I Capcom I do use it. Too. I do use it. So do I. This is where I usually take a lot of my whiskey shots out of during our streams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Capcom appreciates that. <laughs> <laughs> Only mm. the best. All right. Right into it. First piece of news, probably the oldest piece of news that we need to get out of the way. There was, if anyone cares to remember... Or I'll say, if anyone cares, comma, or remembers, uh, there yep. was a Nintendo Indie World that happened a couple weeks ago. Show of hands. Does anybody, does anybody care if we skip this section? <laughs> um, I will go through it quickly because I wrote these notes on it. Uh, on Your Tail, a detective game starring furries. Uh, Core Keeper which I didn't make any notes about, but it kind of looked like uh, a three, uh, like two and a half D isometric, like Terraria or Minecraft. And I didn't, I wasn't interested in this at first, but then I thought that might be a good game to play with kids, with young kids. So like my kid or Little Red. So Core Keeper, maybe one to look up later. Uh, Backpack Hero, a roguelite where you go shopping and you organize what you buy in a backpack. So if you like roguelikes and have a touch of OCD, this one is probably going to be great for you. Um, Blade... I mean, this sounds like me. That I know, that does kind of sound like you. Um, <laughs> Blade Chimera is a 2D action Metroidvania that's coming out. It's not coming out till spring, but it looked interesting. Why does she got to be attractive, though? What is up with that? What? Backpack hero. She's like a sexy mouse. What? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Oh, God. That was not shown in the trailer. All right. I guess we can bundle that one with the first one about furries. 
Anyway, um, now this next game is a game that I want you to at least watch. <laughs> I was like, what? I, they didn't show that in the trailers. They just showed the gameplay. Um, this next game you have to look into, Corporal. It is called okay. A Highland Song, and it is a Scottish Highlands narrative game where you are going through the Scottish Highlands and it's got exploration elements. It's got some rhythm game elements um, and it's coming out on December 5th. And this is this is definitely a cozy game that I can see you drinking a, a Capcom creators mug full of whiskey and enjoying by the fire in like actually um yeah, it's very indie, it's very artsy, but it's very Sasanuk. So you should check that out. Jeremy, Fate Maker, welcome in. Welcome in. Um, okay. Outer, Outer Wilds Archaeologist Edition, uh, open world space exploration that restarts every 22 minutes. So it's kind of like a roguelike. This is like a different edition of it. Um, and welcome then in, Fate. The Gecko Gods coming out spring 24. That is a game that I'm actually keeping my eye on for my son because you play as a, a gecko as a little lizard and you just crawl all around and you solve puzzles um and i think that game is going to be fantastic for kids and all of these games are coming out on the switch this was from the nintendo uh indie direct so, so i just to kind of swing back to highland song um there is a niche that I tend to fall into. Spooky! Welcome in, Spooky. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, there's a niche that I tend to fall into that started with Firewatch. Actually, no, I take that back. It started with... Um, I'm going to pull my switch up so I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> it's that black and white game. Um uh, da, 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 da. And it has to do with death, and it's very uh, Shovel Knight esque, but not Shovel Knight esque. Oh my god! Come on, Nintendo's eShop cannot load fast enough. <laughs> Holy so, Christ! It's really, it's really slow. <laughs> it is, re it's actually like the slowest thing. Death's Door? No, it was further no. back than that. I kind of know what you're talking about. Welcome in. Now I have the Twitch chat up as well. Uh, re-download. Well, you, you okay. talk about that. I'm going to continue on with the news while you figure out what game that is. Um, I'm going to go slightly out of order here. Uh, moving on from the Indie Direct, Street Fighter VI finally got uh, outfit number three for all the characters, and they are gorgeous. They are some of the best outfits that we've seen in a Street Fighter. But there is some controversy about the price because the price for each cosmetic is about $6 per skin. But you can't buy the amount of in-game currency that you need to buy one. So if you want to buy one, you have to buy like $10 worth or you can buy $12 worth and have enough for two. So you can get two for six, or you can spend 10 and have enough for one, but not enough for a second one. There's some weirdness, but if you want to get all the skins, 
it's a hundred bucks uh for a game that is that is sixty dollars limbo um, limbo oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> a classic i don't artistic, i'm very surprised n- neither of us remembered that because it's like uh, artistic indie games that like tell a driving story so limbo was the first one uh that pulled us in and then uh the next one was uh a game called uh home or i left home um uh indie game called uh images gone home it was called gone home Uh-oh. and it depressing. was about a girl i remember it was, it was very depressing it was about a girl who came back from college <clears throat> and the game presented as a murder mystery you thought your family had been killed and you had to go through the house to put together the story and the clues as to what happened to your family. But they just went oh, to France on vacation and left you home alone. Only come to find out that mom and dad are going through a divorce and your sister found out that she's gay and didn't tell anybody and ran away from home. So, like, this game seems depressing and then you realize that it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, your, your sister was scared that nobody would love her or care for her, so she ran away from home because of it like it was it was a sad and then firewatch obviously if you don't know firewatch i don't want to spoil firewatch finally not depressing it's well i don't know i've never played it so maybe it is depressing indie games are depressing for the most part they are beautiful though either indie games are batshit crazy like like you're a crab fighting other crabs or it's just like yeah here's a very sad atmospheric story it's but so I, I'm sorry I, I'm coming back to the indie game genre because Highland Song falls under this this little niche. I know that looks it looks very much up your alley of, of artistic games that I think will be phenomenal and it's these types of games in our industry that I think draws out some of the best storytellers. I just wish there were more because <coughs> every indie game like leans on being like either hand-drawn or retro or some weird like visual artistic thing and then is like heavily emotional that's like 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 i would say 70 percent of the games that are in these indie directs are like either like emotionally heavy or cozy with a quirky art style that's like the vast majority. I want to see more indie games like Windjammers 2, Risk of Rain Returns, like unique elements. I don't, it's almost like I don't care about the graphics and the story. I just want good gameplay. Oh, come on. Indie games, more than any other category, I think lean on story and emotional and not graphics but like quirky art styles anyway um yes there is a new roguelike coming to the last of us part two remaster and i don't understand i've never played those games so i don't know how a roguelite would even work in that format but that sounds pretty cool and corporal's probably going to stream it what is this the last of us Two remaster is getting a roguelite mode. Yeah, I can't stream it unless I'm going to bring the PlayStation Five up here. Well, it's not that heavy. You're a big boy. You could get it up the <laughs> stairs. 
Um, what was I say? Oh, yeah. Street Fighter Six skins, expensive, <coughs> but very pretty. I think they're going to they're going to do some different pricing on it eventually, because I don't think that they're going to keep releasing them in hundred dollar bundles, especially yeah. when new because right now there's only 26 characters and are there 26? No, there's not 26 characters. I'm thinking of Nickelodeon. Um, there's only so many characters, and as they're releasing more and more, there there has to be a more sustainable way to release costumes um, after the backlash that they got from this. Um, Dragon's Dogma 2 has a release date, March 22nd. It's kind of bittersweet because with... Uh, with the release date being March 22nd, this pretty much answers the question that we've been asking of what quote-unquote unannounced game in March they expect to sell millions of copies, and it is Dragon's it's, Dogma 2. I'm it, sorry, but Capcom, I'm a part of your creator program, so I feel like I have the right to say this, but you need to watch your words a little bit more carefully. I think it was a translation thing. I think it was a translation thing. I, that's fine. They that's still fine. should have clarified, but I think it was a, I think it was something that was lost in translation. Um, but the good news is we finally have a release date, and it is kind of soon. March is going to come quickly, right? That's only a couple months away, four months away. Uh, well, I guess it's yeah, it's like in the middle. Um, so they did a. They've been dropping little pieces of gameplay here and there. Um, the big thing that accompanied the release date is they are adding new vocations and they revealed the first one, which is the trickster and the trickster is using a, they called it a sensor. I forget what the other term is, but you know, in, in like a Catholic church service, they have the, the ball on the chain with the smoke. <laughs> yes. That's the weapon. The new really? location, yes. Did you not? Did you not see it? I missed it. No, it I is. They I, say I it's hadn't. a it's a sensor. Like I, I guess that's called a sensor because it's like you're distributing a scent, so it's a sensor. I don't what know. What is the thing? But <laughs> that Catholic priests use it ball on a because it's incense. Too. It's incense, so it's an incenser. I don't know, but. The new class is called Trickster. Thur Thurbo. A Thurbo is a metal sensor suspended from oh, chains. Metal sensor, which, it is called that. Which incenses is burned in during worship services. It's used in Christian churches, including Roman and Orthodox. And in Dragon's Dogma too. T-H-U-R-I-B. Well, that's a silly word, so now I understand why they said sensor. <laughs> But this new this new vocation uh, is called the trickster, and you basically summon smoke, commonly called a sensor incense burner, to perfume the smell or pastel burners in a vessel made for burning incense or perfume from a solid form to a gas. Sensor is another okay. term for thermal. I've never go. heard that before. Neither have I. But and we were use, both in the Catholic Church. You use smoke. <laughs> To confuse enemies, get them to fight each other, and then summon things to fight for you. Um, and it looks really cool. The other piece of news that came out of this announcement is 
this is going to be the first Capcom game that is going to be $70. Capcom is jumping on the bandwagon um, with this game, and they're upping the cost to $70. How do you feel about that, Corporal? So, I have lots of opinions about $70 games. We have like a whole episode worth of opinions. We have a whole episode dedicated to $70 games that we haven't released yet because that's us. Um, I like Nintendo's approach. Not every game should be $70. Only games that we believe are worth it are $70. Although I would like to have a better understanding about what the criteria or metrics are to meet that $70 criteria. But with that being said, I mean, <laughs> in the in the world of, couldn't imagine your thoughts on Canadian. Prices. Oh, I can't. I don't <laughs> want to say those publicly because that's it's there's it's crazy. Uh, I I think that uh, that if Capcom believes that this is worth that dollar amount, I have to respect them as Capcom creators, that they are pricing it at a value that they think is reasonable, and it'll be us <clears throat> up to us to determine whether that's so. Yes. I, I think it comes down to... I try to, to say that's so politically correct. I think <laughs> it comes down to quality and trust. If there is one... Despite the fact that we are Capcom creators, even if we weren't Capcom creators, I love Street Fighter... I love Monster Hunter, and I am slowly starting to love uh, uh, Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma. So Capcom is a publisher that when they're presenting a game that looks amazing and they're just like, this one we're raising the price on, I trust them. I trust them in that, that it's going to be worth $70. Um, there are plenty of publishers that say we're raising the price to $70 just because for instance Mortal Kombat 1 probably worth $70 Mortal Kombat 1 in a near unplayable state releasing on the Switch for $70 I was in GameStop yesterday and I saw Mortal Kombat for the Switch at $70 and I laughed and so that is that's some bullshit but Dragon's Dogma 2 Seventy dollars, yes. Capcom CEO came forward and said prices need to go up by thirty percent. I I laughed similarly at that as well because I don't know if anybody's told them, but video games are the most profitable form of media. So that's a thing. All right, <laughs> right. The um, most profitable form of media. And I'd also bring out that there's there was a story where a owner of a company saw where the market was going, and instead of giving himself or his leadership an increase in raise, they all took decreases in raise and took that those extra profits uh, and the bonuses that they didn't get and trickled it down to their staff. And they have been going for five years now doing the same thing year after year. And they are seeing increase in profits 
an increase in production because of happier work-life balance and staffing. Yeah, I, I, like I, I think I think that I don't you think can't... you should forcibly make pay cuts to people. I think you should plan. I think you should ask Larian Studios it, who are currently <laughs> swimming in money if they think that game prices need to be raised. I would pay more dollars for a game if I had the trust that it wasn't going to be here's the game and then here are microtransactions and then here's paid DLC because Cyberpunk, right? Cyberpunk came out. They released a, a $30 or $40 DLC, right? This is going to turn into the $70. I know that we have a whole episode on this pricing thing, <laughs> but there's, there's a lot to it, but I think Dragon's Dogma 2 more than worth $70. I'm going to get it. And it's going to be amazing. So, um, what is next? Oh, rumor time, rumor time. Have you heard this rumor? Uh, no. We're going to go Umbrella Academy. I heard a rumor. Um, <laughs> uh, Mario Kart 10 and a new 3D Mario, but this is specifically about Mario Kart 10. Mario Kart 10 is in development, probably going to release on whatever new Switch console is coming as a release title. The rumors about Mario Kart 10 from a leaker who has been has a proven series of the things that they put out have come true and been historically correct. So there's a, a fair bit of of rapport and trust with this person. The rumor is that Mario Kart 10, Mario Kart X, I guess they're skipping nine, just like Apple did with the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Mario Kart X is going to be the biggest budget, most expensive game Nintendo has ever made. And that kind of makes sense because Mario Kart 8 has been the best-selling game Nintendo has ever made. So if you're going to follow that, it's going to have to be crazy. And it sounds like it's going to be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even like Mario Kart, but I will be full in day one with the new new Mario Kart. You also have to look at Mario Kart 8, which has all of these maps, all of these characters, and all the customization for their vehicles. How are they going to compete? Like their new maps better be worth it, or there better be enough playable new new content. I think they are going to launch it. They have learned how long they can milk a single game for, and they are going to release Mario Kart X as this is going to be similar to Mario Kart 8. This is going to be the Mario Kart that you're going to be playing for the next 10 years, and we're going to release content, and we're going to make new content, and... I think there's going to be an, a huge emphasis in online play and ranking up and like progression. Because if you look at modern games compared to when Mario Kart 8 came out on a different system, <laughs> it's like a completely different universe. And they, I think they've been testing the waters with making online legitimate and in ways that they can actually pull off, like in Mario Wonder. So I think Mario Kart X is going to be heavy emphasis online and is going to be made not as a live service, but as a platform. It's going to be what Halo Infinite was supposed to be, where they said, you know, we're going to make this and it's going to be the platform for basically a bunch of versions or chapters of this game moving on. I think they're going to do seasons with Mario Kart 10 because racing seasons are a thing. 
So that seems like a pretty natural fit. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be pretty good. I think it's going to be worth it. Uh, speaking of, I guess this is racing because it's, it's auto Grand Theft Auto. Uh, before I'm sorry, uh, Mario Kart Ten will probably release with nine uh, maps to race from. And... Nine? No, way more than nine. Mm, uh, this is my prediction. It's going to release. It's going to release with about nine maps to race no, on. You can't do that. Because no. you the cups, the cups are four maps each. What are you gonna one and a half cups? No. Or are you trying to give me the stats of what Halo Infinite released <laughs> with? <laughs> okay. Okay. So maybe there'll be five cups then. There'll be five cups at most. And they will release, I think, one cup, one new cup. So three new maps every six months. Mm. And they'll probably use some of the older content from Mario Kart 8 and bring them up. Sure. Bring them up. Bring them up. And maybe, maybe, maybe one of two things will happen. As you as you perfect a cup, you could either unlock an unlocked character that's already available, or with each cup they'll bring in another character to play. I think, I think that I like that. It's not a bad idea. I right? think, I think the biggest thing with the new Mario Kart is going to be a, a noxious overhaul in graphic fidelity because the rumors about the switch Two are that the switch Two is basically going to be able to perform at like the low baseline of PS5 or a PS4 Pro. And it's gonna, I think it's gonna be able to run Unreal Engine 5 games. So I think the graphics from Mario Kart 8, which are good, but they're, they're, they have mm. a certain style to them because they were developed for the Wii U. I think when you look at Mario Kart X next to Mario Kart 8, Mario Kart X is gonna look bananas. And that's gonna be a main selling point is that this is the first time that we, Mario Kart looks like a modern game. Charles, welcome in. Thanks for liking the stream. Welcome in, Charles. Um, anyway, <clears throat> Grand Theft Auto 6, the trailer is coming. We're recording this on December 3rd. Uh, GTA 6, I think, is getting the trailer Excuse me on December 5th. So that's two days. <laughs> There's... Oh, the trailer was leaked and supposedly leaked from the one of the employee's son. That's pretty oh, I funny. I haven't seen the trailer. I have not so I seen the leaked trailer either. Ooh, that's juicy. Um, I mean, GTA 6, arguably the only game with cars in it that's bigger than Mario Kart. Um, <clears throat> I am mad at the amount of people online who are like, oh, we got this before we got GTA 6. Well, that's oh, like a this meme. Happened? It's like a meme. I'm now at sorry, this point. but that is some low level kindergarten type of BS to the real men in this world who've been waiting for Half Life 3. Back up and sit down. <laughs> Back up and sit down. Just saying. Oh my God. Can somebody clip that, please? Some that that needs to be. Can I clip it from here? 
I'm not sure if I can. That is, that is, you teed that up perfectly. That's, that's a very fair point. Um, yeah, GTA 6. I mean, I am planning on jumping into GTA. I have never played a GTA game. Like, actually. Like, really? I've, I have GTA 5 because it was free on Epic and I played it for like 20 minutes or something, but I have never really played it. When GTA 6 comes out, we're all going to be playing it. So I'm going to be playing it, especially if they I just hope they don't stagger a multiplayer release. Like, I hope it's GTA 6 with GTA 6 online or whatever it's going to be. If it launches with online, I am I am on board and we're going to form a, a Nintendad's gang with like khakis and like polo shirts tucked in and like <laughs> new balance shoes like it's gonna be i'm gonna make it as cringy as possible if it's not cross-platform i won't be playing it it has to be it has to oh. be it absolutely has oh. to be i mean i'm with you if it's not cross-platform i'm like i'm not interested either but it's going to be it has to be oh. um i'll be honest with you the amount of people who like dress up as cop cars and do their entire stream as if they're police officers. The role play servers are amazing. Or the, or the uh, I've seen some that like, uh, they're not as entertaining as the police officers, but like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to like the role play firefighter, like get in my rig and go put out a fire, like go I, no, save somebody. I don't, maybe in the new one, I don't know if there's like mechanics to support that. Are there fire uh, trucks in GTA five? Yeah. Can you drive them? And four. Oh, yeah. Okay. That shows me that I that shows you how much GTA I've played. In fact, one of the missions is is where you have to sneak on into a station, steal gear, and then jump into the back of a truck. Once the alarm goes, the truck drives off and gets to the scene, and then you steal the fire truck and drive off. I mean, now I'm interested in becoming a firefighter. <laughs> Quick, we got to paint the fire truck a different color so no one recognizes it. Paint it yellow. They'll think it's a school bus. Um, uh, Jet Force Gemini is uh, coming to the Nintendo online service. I have been talking about wanting this game to come to the online service since the online. It's always, oh, top 64 games like like uh you know mario 64 and goldeneye and i've always just quietly sat in the corner been like i want to play a schnauzer with a laser cannon on its back in jet force gemini and it's here and I'm jet gonna, force gemini I'm was a great game it. now the game. interesting implication in this is jet force gemini was a game developed by by rare, rare. You're right, which opens the door for Donkey Kong. That's the, literally what I have in the notes. Donkey Kong 64 <laughs> is the greatest 64 game ever to release. I don't care what you say. I loved me some Donkey Kong 64. If yes. we could get some 64 back on the Switch, man. Oh, if we got Donkey Kong, I'd be streaming that. I, I That might be the game that gets me to have online. That That might be it. Here's a question. If Donkey Kong 64 comes to the Nintendo online service, can we do a video of us doing the DK rap? Are we going to relive our elementary school music video? 
Now that was the Beastie Boys. Oh, that's right. It was Beastie we Boys. We have the skills. <laughs> Power Stone remake. I think that'll happen. Maybe. Um. Yeah. I. 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 I maybe Donkey Kong sixty four is coming. I think it has to at some point, right? They have to be able to negotiate it. Oh, I see you poking. I see you poking in the notes. We can skip to that. So the Game Awards are right around the corner. That will probably be our next episode is talking about the Game Awards. And there is some controversy around a little game. Controversy. Called Day of the Diver that is in the nomination for Best Indie Game. What could possibly be controversial about that? Except that Day of the Diver was developed and funded by huge studios. It looks like an indie game. It smells like an, smells indie, like game, an indie game. But it is performs it, like an indie game. Is it an industry plant? <laughs> it uh let's Mint see. Rocket, it was developed by Mint Rocket and Nexon. Nexon, yes. Nexon is gigantic. Yeah. Um so is this an indie game? It's a South Korean video game publisher. And it produces. Uh, they make Maple Story. They make Dragon Kart Fighter. Rider. Yeah, they yep. make a lot of, like, kind of a lot of weird games. Um, so then it, it and I think um, Jeffrey Mid, Mid Jeff Keeley is is small. Yeah, but it, it's it's the same thing. So Jeff Keeley tweeted about this and is like, people are asking why Dave the Diver is in the indie game category because it looks like an indie game, but when you see who developed it and funded it, it's not. And it's like, what makes an indie game an indie game? Does it have to be the developer or does it have to be the publisher? Is there a certain budget that once you cross, then it's considered not an indie game? It's like the the term indie game is not super well-defined we need a Nintendads Beastie Boy video. There is a Nintendads Beastie Boy video. There is. We had, to do, we had to do a music video project in seventh grade. Yeah, I think it was seventh grade because seventh eighth, or eighth grade, grade. Eighth grade, I teamed up with Michelle Rodriguez and I did My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,. It is lost to time. It is on a VHS tape or a mini cassette somewhere. But Mr. Pierce is still alive. He might have it somewhere in his basement. It's basically us dressed up as robots beating the tar out of each other on a public (laughs) playground. We like jump off of the swings and like drop kick each other. It was I would love I would post it if we had it, but we don't. And there's no. I don't see a way to recover that. Yeah. But Dave yeah. the Diver, it I would call it I would call it an indie game. Right? It seems like an indie game. Um so it was probably made by an indie developer but published by a not indie publisher. Yeah. And they from my understanding from looking at this really quick, it looks like uh Nexon had some funding in this as well. So Rocket League started as an indie game. Yeah, it's not. It's now like a top esports game, but 
when did it not when did it become not an indie game when they were acquired by epic and they ruined everything maybe <laughs> when a big company acquires it and ruins it that's when it's not an indie game <laughs> for example minecraft was an indie game microsoft came and dumped all their nonsense over it and now it's not an indie game dave the diver though has a really good story of course it does that makes it an indie game <laughs> <laughs> Small circle. We could have just ended with that. <laughs> Speaking of indie games, I guess every to me every VR game is an indie game at this it's, point, except Half Life Alex. You know the cover of Dave the Diver. You've got the guy in the Hawaiian shirt, the fat diver, and then the black chef in the background. Yeah. All right. So the the um, Hawaiian shirt guy is actually a drug smuggler. The uh, the chef that's in the background uh, is out of prison for killing people, and I think pretty sure he's a hitman. Um, and I don't know what Dave's actual background is, but this is all that's revealed in the demo alone. So, so it's not like so story driven, dark, depressing themes, quirky <laughs> graphic style. This absolute. There's no debate if this is an indie game <laughs> this or is not. Like indie game. <laughs> this is way too interesting to be a main a mainline game. And together, the three of us are opening a sushi restaurant, which is probably a cover for something else going on. Yes, you might. Ha I might need you to play this just so I can. I might have to watch some Let's Plays to so see we can what's figure out the story. On. Dungeons of Eternity. We're not going to spend. Oh. We're, we're forty-five minutes in. And we have. We're still in the news segment. We need to. Oh. We need to breeze through these. Dungeons yeah. of Eternity. Oh, my headset's downstairs. Um, VR game, probably, I would absolutely put it in the top three VR games. Maybe the best VR game that I've played besides wow. Superhot. Uh, wow. Right? What, what? I've spent more That's... time in Dungeons of Eternity than I think maybe one other game. That's a pretty high benchmark to have because things like Demio and Beat Saber are still on my top list. Demio is up there. Demio is probably the one that I put the most hot. time into. Super hot. I don't even own Super Hot. I played through it uh, at my dad's house because he had Do it. Do you know that there's three Super Hots? Yeah, but not really. The first Super Hot is the one that was on consoles that they converted to uh, Oculus. The second Super Hot is the one that's on the headset. And then there's Control Alt Delete, which is the third and final super hot. I've played that. I've played Control Alt Delete. It's like a roguelite. Really? Yes, it's very fun. I really, if that was on VR, I would pick it up in a second. It's on Steam. VR. I, I think I have it. Uh, I think I got it for free on Epic. Oh. It's fun, but once you've played Super Hot in VR, playing it with mouse and keyboard just doesn't... It's not the same. It's not the yeah. same. It's totally different. It's still really good, but it's just totally different. But anyway, so back to Dungeons of Eternity. Let, let's let's describe Dungeons of Eternity. Before Dungeons we of just... Eternity is a dungeon-crawling game where you go through and you complete levels and you kill the monsters, you fight a boss... And you get upgrades, you upgrade your character's abilities, and you get, you know, faster movement, more damage. You unlock different weapons. There's axes, there's swords, there's crossbows, there's shields, there's maces, all kinds of stuff. Um, but what really sets it apart for me is it has amazing 
it's i guess it's just built to be an online co-op game it's so it's designed to be played with more than one person Mm. um and i've played it with you i've played it with vernicky i've played it with you and vernicky and i've played it with random people and there it's definitely got some bugs hiccups it's a pain (coughs) in the ass to get in the same lobby but once you're in it is a blast it is it is some of the most fun that i've had in vr I will admit it is some of the most fun I've had in VR. I still think Demio has the least amount of flaws. Yes. And is the probably the best polished game. But I will agree with you that uh Lorraine Wood, thank you for liking the stream. Hey, Welcome Lorraine, in. What's up? Um I, I think that Dungeons of Eternity is probably the most fast-paced dungeon like heart palping game that is available on VR. Yes. I'll have to point out that there's a there's a story that's behind the story is one of the reasons why I like this game. Yes. Yeah, it's got like a sci-fi framing. So Demio is of... for sure the most polished. Like yeah. in terms of quality, Demio is like to me on the level of Half-Life Alex. It's every Every VR game needs to go to the standard that Demio sets. Yeah. It, to I to agree. make VR even have a chance at being mainstream. Um Dungeons of Eternity does not have that level of polish, it but it's lo- close. It lowers its graphics in order to compensate for all of the entities and uh elements that are in the game. I don't think the processing power is there for it to be the same level of graphics well it could i think you could keep the level of graphics but polish some of the ui elements like if you change some of the texts made the menuing a little more stylized and fixed the just making it easier to jump into a multiplayer lobby because i have yet to play it with you or vernicky where it's like, all right, I made a lobby, jump in, you jump in, and we're off. It's always like 10 minutes yeah. of back and forth nonsense. That's my biggest problem. Are you problem in? No, it. I'm not in. Can you join me? Yeah, yeah, I can join you. Okay, you join me instead, and, yeah. and we make it work. So, like, every I like time... the fact that the story is that you are, like, scientists or astronauts who have crashed on this planet, who just happens to be a planet that is made up of smaller little realms <laughs> of dungeons and you have to teleport to each dungeon and it's like it's like a, a a hunger's game type world where like the dungeons will change and like you're being tested it's kind you of you know what cool. it it reminds me a little bit of uh of michael Crichton's timeline where you're like oh. in the future but then you're going back into medieval times yeah, I was gonna say uh, it reminds me of Craig. Thanks for liking the stream. It reminds me of an old Star Trek episode where it's very futuristic, but they have somehow gotten a hold of ancient Earth history, and so they're projecting ancient Earth history onto you because that's all they know about the human race, and they're yeah. testing you using this old information. Yeah, it's cool. It's really good. If you have VR, I would. I can't recommend it stronger. Yeah, it's um, it's a great game. We have to talk about this because it be, you you can start this. I don't have the heart to admit okay. that I'm actually interested in this thing. 
I am going to say this, and it's going to be controversial to all of you who are watching, so buckle up. Fortnite has, since its inception, done more for the gaming community and social live gaming services than any other game in existence. I said that. I can't I disagree with that. I stand by it. And what they are doing now is I, they are just, ex, they, they, they've made themselves a game and their game sat inside this box. And they said, this box isn't big enough. So they expanded their box. And then they said, we can do more with seasonal content. And they expanded their box. Actually, we can do more with skins and then partner with real life creators. And they expanded their box again. And then they said, you know what? Fuck the box and blew the whole thing up. And now are building a house. They are. Fortnite has gone from a small game to a massive like trend to a social like cornerstone of gaming whether you like it or not and i definitely don't like it but i can't deny it and they have they're basically turning fortnite and this isn't like a new thing but they have turned their game into a platform because all my nephews and nieces most of the people i know that play fortnite they don't play fortnite they jump into fortnite and they play these user-created, batshit insane, custom things. Fortnite is more of a gaming metaverse where you can play hide-and-seek, cops and robbers, PvE, PvP, PvZ. Like, you can do anything. There's, like, if you have a specific idea of what kind of game you want to play, there's probably a version of it in Fortnite that's been user-created. And now so, Fortnite is finally leaning into that. I'm going to point something out that I actually didn't make the connection to until just now. But Fortnite today is the modern creation of what Halo 3's Forge mode was back in the day. Except and it's mainstream. Yes, it is so mainstream, it's insane. It's now its own social network system. People join Fortnite just to hang out with their friends the way I and the yeah. kids used to. And it's interesting because Fortnite fell off pretty hard. Like about a year ago, if people said they were playing Fortnite, I think it, w- it became kind of a cringy thing. Just be like, oh no, Fortnite, Fortnite fell off. And that's when they write. That's that was the vibe before they released the no build mode. Yes. And they released the no build mode to get people back in. And they've been doing some. They box themselves in with their gameplay and they thought they could expand their box by adding more skins and seasonal content. And they did, but they were locked into that box because of their build mode. And the moment they were willing to drop their build mode, they opened up the floodgates for so much more versatility. And they've even added the unreal engine five thing. And it's like, you can have an entire like Skyrim type game in Fortnite that other people can build that you can play. And now we've talked about Fortnite for like 10 minutes. We haven't even gotten to the actual news. They are releasing three new game modes 
they are releasing a collaboration with Lego and are basically doing Minecraft in Fortnite. They are releasing a rock band type game mode that's like a rhythm game with some of the developers that made rock band yep and they have teamed up with rocket league to do a rocket league style racing game with like the cars from rocket league with a lot of the same mechanics and stuff i i and this was all kicked off and this was all kicked off with an event starring eminem and the announcement that uh, Peter Griffin and <laughs> a bunch of other like popular characters were coming. Snake, uh, uh, Snake oh yeah, Solid Snake. Solid Snake, yeah. This like, is just like a fever dream of like a an eighth grader that had too much candy. Well, I mean, we've talked about when they were promoting Star Wars, they allowed Darth Vader to show up in game. They mm-hmm. they talked about when Avengers was released, they had Thanos show up in Omni-Man the game. Omni-Man and Invincible are, are yep. skins in there now. Like, I, I think they have done some of the best social advertising that any other game has been able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Combined with how they incorporate seasonal changes to their maps and to their environments for different holidays and different things. It's phenomenal. They've had not... cars in for a while. So the news is it's a totally new game mode that is just racing. It's not just yeah. the cars. It's, it's a totally like it's a, it's a racing game built inside Fortnite. So I, I'm jumping over to Twitch real quick. Uh, Call of Duty copied their skin system and uh, Fate is saying that Fortnite is promoting their toxic uh, uh, microtransactions, which is now bleeding into other gaming systems. So he's using Call of Duty as a reference to that. Uh, talking about Fortnite is the number one game for microtransactions every month coming out with something new for players that they have to buy. And his concern is that other games like Call of Duty are, <clears throat> are copying that that model. Yeah, Call of Duty tried to copy Fortnite's skins and it like Fortnite has always been goofy, right? You got the banana doing the L dance and like, you know, all the different like silly dances. So like random characters in Fortnite doing Fortnite things has always been like, okay. But like when you have goofy characters in Call of Duty and it's like Homelander like superhero all of a sudden call of duty i don't think that fits i think that compromises like not the integrity but just like it doesn't gel fortnite can get away with it because it's fortnite you can't do it as far as the microtransactions are concerned i i do kind of agree that epic is pretty freaking greedy and they raise the prices of all their microtransactions like because of inflation or something i I don't know because I don't play Fortnite enough to have experienced how toxic the microtransactions are. But I'm gonna oh I'm gonna trust fate on this and say that they're probably pretty bad. <laughs> That's like a big reason of why people play it, right? You play it to play as Omni Man or Darth Vader, and that's gonna cost you. Uh yeah. Uh in the very beginning with Fortnite's creation, uh, you could play the um, 
the bat the the unpaid battle pass the the free content and if you played consistently enough you could earn enough coins that you could then pay for the battle pass but then they separated and this goes back to when Fortnite was first created because I'll tell you when Fortnite first created I was one of the dopes who paid for the story mode because that was what the game was going to be. Yeah. There was the free online portion, but the story mode you had to pay for. So yeah, I they paid did the for the copy, story mode. They copied PUBG and they were like, ah, we'll do a battle royale mode. We'll throw it in there. We can put it together pretty quickly. And then, yeah. I was duped and I never got the full story because they never actually released. Because when I paid into it, it was still in beta. The game never came out of beta. Instead, they just transitioned <laughs> to AAA title that's released for everybody. Oh, forget about you guys. I know you gave us money, and I know you're the reason why we're here, but forget about it. Sorry, here's, you got on the wrong horse. Yeah. I was mad. Uh, <sighs> yeah, I will I will try these new modes, especially I, the, the racing. I will try the racing game. I had TikTok live stream open on my phone watching the Fortnite event while on my xbox downloading fortnite oh no <laughs> i think i think we should make it a a sub goal to where we get okay. a certain amount of subscribers and then we will we'll stream fortnite i think that's reasonable okay I we'll be forced into it but not for free <laughs> moving um, on to games that i actually like risk of rain returns uh this came out and this this is a game that we're talking about that we did not get for free we paid for it this is not like a sponsored segment or anything um risk of rain returns we've played risk of rain 2 risk of rain was a game that came out in 2013 something like that uh no maybe not that far back uh, but it came out, it was 2D, uh, pixel style. They re-released it. It's a remake. It's somewhere in between a remaster and a remake because they added a bunch of new stuff, but they kept a lot of the core mechanics and they sort of upgraded the visual style, but not changed it completely. Um, and it is a roguelike. You unlock characters, you go through levels, you kill bad guys, you get random buffs and weapons. Um, and it has been very addictive. Uh, I have, I have played, I think I've probably played more Risk of Rain Returns than Risk of Rain 2. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but the thing that also makes it so good is co-op. You can do co-op. It's very easy to do co-op. The co-op works. Um, all the characters play very differently. There's new characters. There's old characters. There's characters that were in Risk of Rain 2 that they ported into Risk of Rain 1. And it's just got that addictive gameplay loop that you look for in a roguelike. The, the loop is like, I love how you can feel like you're leveling up and getting more perks and more buffs and more percentages in order to stay alive. And you can feel your change, but at the same time you're feeling your change, there's also a timer that right raises the difficulty. You can, if you're fast enough, 
increase your ability faster than the difficulty bar goes up. But sooner or later, that difficulty bar will hit an equilibrium with you. And oh man, does it hurt. The game will catch you. I watched, I watched like, I think it was like a 20 minute video on like the making of Risk of Rain. And there is, I, I would actually, I'll, I'll send it to you because it's really interesting. There is so much behind the scenes systems and coding to make sure the game always feels challenging. Like as the timer goes up, it basically gives the system a certain amount of points and the 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 like AI or whatever behind the system determines how to use those points. And it can say, all right, it's been five. It's been one minute. I got an extra point. I'm going to wait because the character is blowing through all these things. The, the system will take those points and spawn an elite enemy or it'll spawn 10 normal enemies or it will spawn a boss enemy like the 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 systems that they have behind the scenes to make it always feel like you're on the edge of your seat is super cool. It's really it's really yeah. fun to learn about. Um, the only drawbacks I would say is that the levels are really big. And you basically get spawned on a level and you have to find this little thing that triggers a boss fight. And if you start here and the button to trigger that boss fight is here and you decide to explore this way first, I'm sorry, people that who are listening, if you spawn in the middle of the level and you go to the right, but the thing to trigger the boss fight is to the left, you essentially burn so much time looking for it. And, and while you're burning time, the overall game difficulty level ticker is ticking up constantly up, getting up, harder with time as it goes on that's risk of rain's main like gimmick or mechanic that isn't present in a lot of games every second that you're playing there's a little timer that says starting it very easy then it goes to easy then it goes to medium then it goes to hard then it goes to very hard then it goes to extreme then it goes to impossible and then the game just starts laughing at you <laughs> So finding shit quickly is important. And if you guess wrong, sometimes you can really get screwed over. Um, but you can find one rare item and totally equal the playing field for all the time that you burned. So yeah. you can have runs that are unlucky that end in five minutes, or you can have really lucky runs where you can beat the game in 20 minutes. Uh, it's, it a, just it's, a game, it's a game <laughs> of some skill and then variable and percentages. And the two of those can be good or bad for you or against you. And it's a constant gamble about which one is which as you continue to play. Yeah, I mean, the word risk, the whole concept of risk of rain is like you're going on an adventure and if you're taking a walk outside, there's a risk of rain. There's a chance that you may get absolutely dumped on, but it's not guaranteed. So it's like a little bit of like that gambling addiction scratches the itch. It's a bit, we, we talked about this games that are itchy in that you oh, feel yeah. like you want to play them. You have an urge to play them. They're addicting. This is a super, this is like poison Ivy levels of itchiness to where as <laughs> soon as you're done, you immediately just want to do another run. Not to mention that as you're playing, you have, <coughs> excuse me, unknowns to you different challenges that will then unlock things that you weren't even aware were unlockable 
like unlocking all new playable characters with different skills and different abilities. So you could be doing things and not realize that you just stumbled across the cavern, which is where you unlock the miner. And you just weren't aware, but that's where the miner was. Yeah. Like, the progression is really cool because you unlock, I think there's like 12 characters. And you unlock them through totally different ways. Some are really easy. Some are totally based on chance. Some you have to complete challenges. And then each character has unlockable moves. So each character has three alternative moves that you can unlock. And then there is a challenge board where instead of killing a thousand enemies, you can just do this really hard challenge and that will unlock the alternative move. And then you unlock items that will be available on future runs and it's just it's it's a rewarding as hell. <laughs> and every game item to play. will give you a perk. And some of the things when you say unlocks are purely based off of chance. Some of that chance is kill a hundred spiders. Yeah, I mean, like you won't know that you've done it or until kill you've done it. kill this amount of enemies without taking damage or yep. get to this level within this time frame or yep. like they're ju you just play you just play and cool shit happens. <laughs> Yeah. And the better you get, the more cool shit that happens. And that's like everything I want in a game. <laughs> um, and then obviously you have to like pixel art because this is an old school style looking game. It's it's not Tri the prettiest Kingdom. to look at. Yeah. Try Kingdom in our chat will be the first one to tell you why are you guys playing this old game. If you if you point. look at it, if somebody who's not familiar and knows nothing about the game sees you playing this game, they're going to be like, what the hell is this? Gross. This is from the 80s. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah but then gross. you watch and you're like, oh, this has a lot of modern like risk reward mechanics and unlockables and stuff like that. So it's cool. We've streamed it. You can go back and watch some of our streams and there are some hype ass moments. Especially it's, it's with co-op, especially in co-op. Um, all right. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2. This so segment. I, how do you want to do this? I'm going to just do a monologue and you have this is this is the perfect thing, because right now I have played the game. This is a sponsored segment. Thank you, Game Mills Studios, for providing a copy of this game. Um, I will do a, a standalone video of this because we're not going to have time to go into all of the, the details that detail. I want to go into now. But like our audience, we're going to assume that most people who are watching the stream or listening have not played this game yet. If you have, then I'm probably going to touch on some points that you may agree or disagree with. But for for this episode's purpose, we're going to say that nobody has in the in the viewership has played it corporal you haven't played it so any time in order to make this not just me blabbing on for 10 minutes which is what it's mostly going to be anyway um ask me questions about this game okay. that would be interesting to you that would contribute to you being more or less interested in it and try okay. try to avoid making the obvious comparisons to super smash brothers because the whole segment could be a, a comparison to super smash brothers but this is a very different and game I'll it's doing its own thing you. yeah yeah and then i'll be like it's online um so nickelodeon all-star brawl 2 <coughs> this is a game there there is a first game that came out not so long ago in 2021 um i got super into that game 
and it did okay. It got kind of lukewarm reviews. It was overall a little bit disappointing, I think, to most people. And the main reasons why the first game was disappointing was the move sets for most of the characters all felt kind of similar. Um, and there was a couple really strong options that everybody did. The online play was pretty bad. There's nobody that's going to argue that. Um, there was no voice acting. It didn't have a real high level of polish. There was no single player content. And as a result of all these shortcomings, the player base dropped off very quickly. And for this type of game, it's going to live and die by its online player base. And they just disappeared and all went to go play Multiverses when that came out. Which is interesting because Multiverses is now gone and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl is back. So that's an interesting point. Um the good parts, the improvements, and there are many improvements over the first game, is number one, the characters have all been reworked. There's deeper mechanics. There's more move sets, and I'll get more into this in a minute. But the characters have all been reimagined. There's new characters. The overall mechanics have been given a lot of depth compared to the first game. Online is better. Not 100%, but miles ahead of the first one. Um, which is kind of a hit or miss situation, which again, I will go into in a minute. Um, it has full cross play, huge, huge deal for the player base issue because you have cross play. This is out on every platform, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and they all have cross play. I think Switch has been turned on, um, which again, I, I will get to in a minute. Switch launched with no cross play because it was so bad. But I think yeah. they've patched it and added it oh. to crossplay. Okay. But overall, the fact that it has crossplay out of the gate is a huge, huge thing. There's voice acting. Every character is fully voice acted in many cases by the original voice actor. So SpongeBob has SpongeBob's voice. Uh, a lot of characters have the character's voice that they had in the cartoon or the show that they came from, which is which awesome. Is totally cool that's a that was a huge point because this is the character driven game mm -hmm. um and to not have the characters saying anything is weird in the first game not the case in the second game that's all been done and probably the biggest improvement in terms of overall content is they gave this thing its entire own single player mode it's a big campaign with a story it's lo a, a loose so kind of roguelike when you say campaign and story mode, are you referring to like the campaign of, I'm sorry to say, Super Smash? Or let's give a better example, Mortal Kombat? Uh, yeah, yeah, something something along those lines. It is a, uh, I'm going to go over the negatives of the game. And then the first section that I'm going to do a deep dive into is the single player campaign, which I'll get okay. more into in a minute. But yeah, it's it's significant. It's significant. Um, the bad, the drawbacks of this game so far that I see are is I play it on PC. We got a review copy on PC. The Switch version was a mess at launch. The load times were like minutes long. Um, the online for the Switch and the game overall is very hit or miss. When it works, it works. When it doesn't work, it it actually doesn't work. And I'm not talking about latency. I'm talking about being able to find a match. Um, and then the gameplay has come a long way. The mechanics are cleaner. It's got more depth. 
but it's in this weird spot where it's it's approachable enough to appeal to people who want to play it casually it's got the depth and mechanics to appeal to the people that want to play it competitively but it's not fully leaning or embracing either of those it's in this it's in this weird spot where i don't think competitive people will take it to the same degree as they will with like uh another platform fighter that has more advanced mechanics and it's it's i wouldn't say learning curve or or the amount of things you have to learn but it's it's just in a weird spot where it's not casual it's not super competitive it's right in the middle i would say it leans more towards competitive in, on that on that sliding scale but i will get more into that in the gameplay section but okay first single player one of the biggest improvements first game had no single player content so anything would be an improvement but this is a significant amount you could get the game and spend a significant amount of time just playing the single player content which is always good for fighting games because you get them hooked on single player the the casual person who's playing fighting games or platform fighters has no interest in going online and getting stomped by sweaty people like me um, they just want to play and enjoy the game and its mechanics and the characters. And the single player fulfills that. It's fully voice acted for the single player. There's characters talk. There's a lot of dialogue. Maybe too much dialogue um, for my taste, no, but I'm not sure. a story guy, so you know. Um, it is a roguelike adventure where you have a hub world and you go on a run and you make it as far through through as many opponents as you can and you get power-ups and you get modifiers <coughs> and you get resources to unlock things and then when you finally reach your end you go back to the hub world you spend those resources upgrading your characters unlocking shops unlocking new options and then you go on another run so there is there is a defined gameplay loop there that okay. is not your normal story campaign it's not linear yeah. Um, which I like. I like a lot. Um, it's pretty fun. I wasn't a huge fan of there's a lot of the levels in your runs that are like KO 10 jellyfish to move on. It's like sort of like oh. I hate to make the comparison, but it, it's sort of like in the Super Smash Brothers where you have to fight like 10 Yoshis or like 10 like like polygon fighters. There's a lot of that. And when I was playing in my runs, I almost always opted for the 1v1 fights because I think that's more fun. And that's how you unlock the characters. Um, and there's boss fights. I fought the uh, the giant jellyfish from SpongeBob, the King Jelly. Um, yep. And it's got totally unique mechanics. It's not just like a giant version of a standard character. Um, so there's some meat. There's some meat to the single player mode and I you really can't like it's it's got its quirks and it's got some shortcomings but overall I was very impressed and are I, the bosses uh like all things that are non-playable characters that can be from those those like shredder shows up or whatever Yes yeah I I cool. haven't gotten through many of them because it's not easy I just only made it to the first boss and then part of the way to the second boss um but yeah i mean they're they're totally unique think like master hand from smash like big yeah. enemy you can't knock it off stage you just have to like attack it 
and it does big attacks and you have to move out of the way and stuff. Um, but I did, uh, I did my first run of the single player campaign on, uh, my stream because multiplayer was not working super well. Um, uh. but yeah, I mean, you can, you can watch me play it. It's fun. It's good. If you like, uh, single player campaigns in other platform fighters, you will like the single player campaign in this. It's fun. It's got a ton of replayability because of the roguelike thing. I think they did a really smart. It's easily the biggest improvement uh, as far as the content. Okay. I mean, there was, I played the first one and there was a lot of things that I enjoyed about it. The voice acting I thought was one of the main disappointment disappointments of the entire game. But at the same time, the mechanics and some of the uh, jump air attacks and, and, you know, being able to respond, uh, I thought was pretty good. Um, I'm not a hard sweaty like you are. So for me, they were enjoyable um, for you. I'm sure they were subpar, but uh, I, for the casualness of the game, I enjoyed it. The voice, the voice acting thing was always, I didn't care about it in the first game at all. But now that I've played the second game, uh, I if I played the first game again, I would be like, this is so weird, like playing with half the with yeah. what should be there on mute. So the voice acting is it's that it's that extra layer of polish that the second game has over the first game. And if you look at them on their own, it's not a huge, huge thing. But when you look at them together, it's it's a, it is a huge thing like the the budget for nick all-star brawls 2 must have been way way Twice. way bigger bigger than well, double i don't know what these the guys contracts i don't know what the voice actors contracts are but i'm sure uh oh yeah just having them just having them be a part of it tripled the, the cost of the game yeah oh yeah um, now to the main part that I care about the gameplay. Um, this was a huge, 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 huge improvement over the first game. The first game devolved into like jump, air attack, jump, air attack, jump, air attack, jump, air attack, followed by a jump, air attack. Um, and I remember that's sort of what it turned into. And it was so fast and it was so repetitive and it was just like, there were there were some really stupidly strong options that you could just use over and over again that didn't have a lot of counterplay. Okay. This every character has gotten reworked. There's so much less of those obviously strong options. Some characters, the game is definitely not super well balanced, um, but every character feels like they have a bunch of tools as opposed to the first game. Some characters felt like they had one really strong tool and they could mow down half the cast just using that one tool um they added a slime mechanic which this is where you see it leaning more into the competitive side so it's a meter that builds up and you can use that meter for offense so you can trigger it and power up any attack you can use it to extend combos so you can hit somebody and then use it and immediately cancel your animation and turn things that normally don't combo into a combo. You mm -hmm. can use it defensively. So if you get hit flying off the stage, you can use it to instantly stop your momentum and save you a stock. Or if you really, really save it up, and I'm talking about like you can probably do this one time per match. If you don't use it at all and you save it up, 
you can do like an ultimate attack special where it triggers a cutscene and it's basically a guaranteed kill, um, which is cool. Uh, that's definitely not the most effective way to use it, um, but it is it is flashy as hell. Um, I to me, using the slime mechanic is hard because you have to hit a button while you're doing like it as a dedicated button while you're doing other tasks, but it adds a layer of depth to the combat and to the mechanics that I a thousand percent appreciate. And I think that is a mechanic that will be copied and used in other platform fighters. Um, it's kind of it's kind of similar to the spark system in uh, Rushdown Revolt. Uh, oh, okay, I didn't play but that one. It's a little bit more. It's a little bit more like uh, it's got more utility because you can use it in more ways. Um, what were you making a crazy face at while I was explaining that? I just realized that the Nintendads is supported by the Nexus shop and that if you were going to play a Capcom game, you could spend the same amount of money and help support your local Nintendad and that 20% of those proceeds go to support us and our channel and Dragon's Dogma is on the list. Dragon's Dogma is on the list. Dragon's Dogma 2 will be on the list. You can pre-order it now, but you shouldn't pre-order it yet because you should wait until you can buy it through our Nexus shop. <laughs> um, I think Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 is also on the Nexus shop. I don't know if we have it listed, but we're going to have it listed soon. Um, the <coughs> The starting roster... Uh, is 25 characters with DLC coming and all the characters have had they have more unique moves like I said a lot of the same moves were sort of like the same across characters in the first game not the case in this game each care of many characters have their own like unique mechanic like I really like to play Ember and she has like a heat meter that powers up some of her specials um, Garfield has like a food meter that he uses to power up. Um, the, all the a bunch of characters, Norbert and Daggett, the angry beavers have a mechanic where they swap in and out with each other. So it's kind of like a, a chic Zelda double character kind of thing. Um, so all the characters have been given a lot of tools that are different from other characters. Um, and like I said, fully voice acted. So each character actually feels like very, very different. Almost almost in an overwhelming way, because to play mo to play some of these characters, you have to read what their mechanics are uh, or or take them into training mode, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because I think that applies to a lot of other fighters in general. Um, but. This does come at the cost of balance, I think, because some of these characters and they just did a balance patch and I haven't played it since the balance patch. But some of the characters like El Tigre in the beginning is like super fast and just will will wreck some of the other characters. Reptar, people were calling for nerfs because from Rugrats, he's super strong. He can just Reptar. KO you. If Reptar is going to KO anybody, I mean, Reptar. Yeah, Reptar is a beast in this game. Um, And overall, it's a lot more fluid. I will say some characters felt like I could pick up and play them naturally. And other characters, 
just felt off. Like there are certain characters, like if I was playing Ember or I was playing some other characters, it felt like I could get to where the opponent was and I could use an attack. And it was like, you don't think about it, right? If you've played other platform fighters, you know what I mean? You just, you, you have an expectation of, okay, here's how fast my character is. Here are the moves. If this character's on this platform, I run, I jump, I use the move, I hit them. Some characters just, I was having so, there's, there's matches that I played where me and the opponent just don't hit each other for 30 seconds. And I don't know if it's an input delay issue. I don't know if some of the animations on some of the characters are too long with the startups, but there was this, there's just something off, not with all the characters, but it, it's like a little bit too floaty, a little bit too delayed. There's there's just something about it that makes it feel a little bit clunky. Um, and I don't think if you were playing it casually, you would notice. Um, but this this is what I was saying before. I don't think it's simple enough to really, truly be like uh, an instant sell for a casual gamer. I think okay. the characters and the single player help do that. But I think when you're playing other people and playing like the core game modes, I don't think it's an instant sell for casual. Um, and then this this weird, uncanny valley of controlling some of the characters, I think, is a hindrance to competitive play. So uh, the, the gameplay is good, but it's in and maybe I just need to spend more time with it. But as someone who played probably a dozen or so, probably more hours of this at this point, it's in this situation where it's right between casual and competitive, which is usually like where I hang out. Um, but I think it's it's there's just it just needs to be refined a little bit with the gameplay. And I think that's I don't know. It's input delay. I don't know. It's trimming some of the animations up. Um, there's definitely some complaints when it comes to online, which is the next segment that we'll go into. Bernie's in the chat, though. Welcome, Welcome in. in. Um, now getting into the online, this is going to be the mode that determines the long term health of this game. Um, and is always my biggest concern when going into any fighting game, PVP game, because it is either good or it's not good. Um, the online system for Nick All-Star Brawls 2 is broken into ranked, quick play, and lobbies. Um, quick play obviously being you jump into a quick match, ranked is ranked, lobbies are make lobbies for your friends, make lobbies for, you know, with a password if you're streaming and you want to do lobbies. In my experience, I will start with the good. <clears throat> when I got into matches, in general, the matches felt really good. The latency was very low. Um, it felt a million times better than Super Smash Brothers Ultimate has ever felt on its best days. I could be playing with somebody across the street in Smash Brothers Ultimate, and I'm still going to want to tear my hair out. In the online matches that I played with Nick All-Star Brawl 2, the online is good. It is good. I got a couple laggy matches, um, but those were the exceptions. Um, they were definitely the majority when I was playing the first game. And I can definitely say that the net code has been massively improved for Nick All-Star Brawl 2. The problem is getting into matches. 
because I have gone through periods where I have gone 15 minutes without being able to get into a match. And this is probably my biggest complaint in the game. I tried quick play. I tried ranked. There were certain situations, even with crossplay turned on, where I could not get into a match. When I did get into a match, sometimes it would freeze on the match loading screen. Sometimes I would get in and my opponent will have disappeared. Um, so getting into the match is the problem. Um, quick play was good when I got into matches. My one stick about quick play is there were always items on. And it's similar to Smash where you could set your preferred rules and turn items off. But I played dozens of quick play matches and they all had items on. And I can't believe that every single person that I played had items on in their preferred rule set. So I don't know what that's about. So it's probably I, just like with Super Smash or most of these other uh, type games, the items adds a level of chaos and sometimes unfair advantages and people just want to have that option. The items, I I hate the items more than I do in Smash because it was like an item would show up and it would explode and my character would just be exploding for 10 seconds. Like just on the screen going. So I don't I don't want to bash the items too much because I'm not naturally a player that likes to play with items anyway. But it was annoying that I couldn't play quick play with items off. But that's what ranked is for. Ranked is definitely the mode you want to play in this game if you just want to play it. Um, A lot of same thing. I had a lot of issues getting into ranked matches um, in the stream that I played. Uh, this game for I had some good luck and I got into some really good ranked matches very fun like I said laggy matches were the exception I got a couple but overall the matches that I was able to get into were very very good there were some matches where I just got destroyed and that's fine in a fighting game but it it highlighted the fact that similar to the first game when people figure out like the moves or the combination or the combos like in some online matches i felt like there is nothing i could do i just got comboed to death and that was by people that were supposedly in my same rank and the game obviously was very new when i was trying it so people are climbing the ranks and finding their appropriate levels of skill but i it, it really it, it wasn't it didn't happen a ton but when it did happen, it was it felt terrible to where I was just like, there's nothing I can do. I don't understand why I'm playing this person in ranked. They're not near my skill level. They've been playing this game 18 hours a day. And Could it just be bug issues like no, I don't think so. I think it's just really good players will figure out a way to not let you play this game. And if you're in ranked and there's enough people in ranked and the matchmaking is working, unless you are also one of those players, you're not going to have to worry about that. <coughs> so it shouldn't be good players in a fighting game should never deter you from trying to play, because if matchmaking is doing its job, you will never play those people. And for the most part, I didn't. But it did highlight sort of a long term concern that once people have gotten good at this game, it's going to be whoever gets the first hit is basically going to get the stock. And oh. I hate that. 
Um, and maybe it's just I need to learn. I need to get good, and I need to get learn good. the yeah. slime mechanic, and that's fine. Um, so it just it could be my lack of skill. It could also be tied to the fact that there was issues with the matchmaking. So it was just matching me with whoever it could. Um, I haven't played it in since the patch, so this the matchmaking issues have may have been fixed for the most part. But I can only talk about what my experience was. So to wrap up, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl Two takes that rough formula that the first game came up with and kind of perfected it. They really did smooth over all of the issues that were in the first game. There's a ton more single player content. The the levels, layers of polish are all there with the voice acting, better presentation, better UI. Overall, it just looks better. It has much better online, despite me poking holes in it a little bit. Um, the, when the online works, it is it's absolutely one of the best online for a platform fighter. When it works, you get into a match, the match plays good for the most part. Um, it definitely feels like a solid solid alternative to other platform fighters. If you like a platform fighters, this is worth trying out. This is worth picking up. I'm not sure about a $50 price tag. That would be a hesitation. I would wait for this to go on sale um, or I would wait for the matchmaking issues to be completely resolved um, because for a $50 game, I should not be waiting for a match for 15 minutes and getting denied over and over again. So I would definitely wait for a denied. sale. Um, uh, I would say if you're playing, if you are playing online, if you can find other people to play with for lobbies, that's the way to go. I think playing this game in person with friends over a couple drinks is the way to play it. Um, I think if you got three or four friends, a couple six packs or 12 packs uh playing this game in person is a blast and i think playing it online with friends also is a blast playing with random then you're at the mercy of the matchmaking system whether you can get a match and whether those matches are going to be close in skill level so overall i would say this game is worth it to get i would say it's fun to play it's great single player content the online, I think they're going to figure it out because matchmaking is something that you can fix, right? You can't fix yep. bad gameplay, but for over, over for the most part, this game has great gameplay. Um, so I think I think it will get there with the online, but it's definitely a huge. I was impressed. I was way more impressed than I thought I was going to be, especially with the single player content. Um, so that. I might, this might end up on YouTube. Uh, I might re-record it to be a little more coherent and, and succinct on YouTube. Um, but I'll, some YouTube form of the, that section will come out. Um, whoop, whoop. Long episode, side question. I have I'm a side ready. question. Go ahead. What, what gaming related thing do you want for Christmas? What are you hoping Santa or the missus puts under the tree for you? As it as it pertains to the the broad category of Nintendo stuff that we are are talking about. Ooh. So I was asked what I want for Christmas and I really couldn't think about what it is I want. Like I really don't know. Um so the answer that I came up with 
to the missus was something that I can do with her that's fun. Now, that I have also asked for things like that. So, okay. (laughs) That was defined within parentheses by saying a co-op Xbox game or a a Oculus game kind of like that that chipmunk game where like they play on their phone and I play with the headset um or um uh mansion of madness or some kind of dungeon and dragons like style sets or games or you know uh some type of thing cuz if you recall I custom built my dining room table my dining room table is beefy and beautiful, made of wood. Oh yeah, it has a beautiful wraparound, uh, dark sto- or dark oak uh, stain, and the whole table is modular. And you can pick the tabletop up and flip it around and put it back down, and then the bottom pieces lock on and ho- hold it into place. And the underside of the table is all felt, so it can be a gaming table. Got out driftwood traders. Woo! And it's got a thin edge along the side so that you can roll dice and not have to worry about the dice rolling off the edge of the table. Or cards can sit up against the edge with sitting up against the frame without them slipping off to the uh, off the table. So, like, it is a beautiful table. And I spent a lot of time designing and custom building this thing. And, yes, with the help of Driftwood tra- Traders, we were able to make this table come to life. Um, it is an amazing gaming table. So I, in parentheses, put a reason to use my gaming table. So, something that's been on my wish list for a while um, is a game that you may have heard of called Dice Throne. Have you heard of this? I feel like I have, but I can't recall. So, Dice Throne is a player versus player uh, tabletop game where you play as a barbarian or an elf or a gunslinger. And they have since extended it to Marvel and X-Men, so it could be Wolverine versus Cyclops. Oh, oh. Corporal's never seen this before. No, I have. <laughs> oh, I yes. have seen this. So I used to work for a pest control company, and in that pest control company, I was a technician. And I was able to go into customers' houses and help resolve their problems. I had one specific customer who had a freaking mansion. thing was massive. But her entire family were game table, tabletop gamers. And uh, like their daughter had a computer rig in her room that was just so that she can play this game where she's a stegosaurus and she has to survive in this Jurassic world as a stegosaurus. Like they were like deep into like (laughs) weird gaming things. But the mother, the wife uh, who I primarily dealt with was a huge tabletop gamer and she had a massive gaming room. I thought it was another bedroom that I was going in to treat and it wasn't. It was just a, <laughs> a, a massive closet full of games. Who needs and sleep? she talked to me about this game. She even told me... Oh, no kidding. Uh, she even told me that the next time I come by, give her heads up warning that I'm coming and she'll set up a game and me and her can play while I'm there. Um, and I went there the one day and she had to apologize she said she wanted to play but she had to leave the house because she had an emergency at her daughter's school so we didn't get to play that day and then i got my new job so i never went back uh so i've heard of this game yeah it is it's a game 
where you you have a you have two decks or two characters and you roll dice and those dice become your resources and then you have abilities and attacks and defensive options and like specials that you use your dice uh your dice resources to to use every turn so it's not like a game where you have the same amount of resources coming in every time and you can plan ahead it's a combination of strategy and chance um which makes it kind of fun um and uh my wife actually got me last christmas uh a box uh that when you buy it, it comes with two characters so you can play against each other but she accidentally got like the most the two most like advanced characters like for people who have like played before so okay. we returned it and then we never ended up getting it but i'm hoping i'm going to find it under the tree this year um <laughs> because it's cool uh and they just started like a competitive scene for it and like a ranked thing of like local game shops because they have like tournaments and stuff because all the character decks are the same, but you can play different characters against each other and they have strengths and weaknesses and like levels of complexity. Um, so it's funny because we both want very similar things. Uh, I will Santa also versus Krampus. Yeah, they have some seasonal ones in there that are pretty funny. I also would highly recommend the board game Radlands. 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 You would love. I think I took it out when you were here and we didn't end up playing it. But it's a uh, it's a card. It's a card game that you it's like a post-apocalyptic yes. wasteland. It's it like got a cyberpunk look to it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and you play from one deck, so you're both taking cards. That one's really fun. But I really want to get Dice Throne. Dice Throne is cool because you get it, and if you like it, you buy more of it. And then you play different characters against each other. There's box sets that come with four, six, or eight characters. So you have some some options. Yeah, um, I see this Marvel set that's got uh, Thor, uh, Scarlet Witch, Loki, and Spider-Man. Yeah, oh, they also made a co-op version that's Marvel-themed, where it's like you're playing heroes, and you can play the PvP decks in the PvE campaign, too. It's It, can, it, it looks like it could get really expensive really quickly. Um, but I want to get a base set to at least try it out and, and then maybe oh, dive into the world of it. made custom dice throne trays. Yeah, it's, it's big. It's growing. It's on the up and up. I would be very surprised if we don't see a digital version of it eventually, because it's just, mm. it's becoming very popular. Um, okay. I was gonna, these are technically like an early Christmas present. Don't tell anybody but i got new headphones new sennheisers they were on black friday sale i'm loving them so far they're the first open back headphones that i've used which sound totally different uh than closed back which is surprising i didn't think there was gonna i don't be. know what the difference is uh the open so like if you have like your studio headphones they kind of block sound out but i can hear everything that's going on around me like very easily oh. and when i'm listening to stuff it sounds like the sounds are coming from the room that I'm in versus that I'm in an enclosed space that isolates the sounds. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's, okay. it's got a more, it's got a more like open feel to it. It's kind of hard to describe. It's weird. It feels like the sounds are coming from further away versus coming from like next to my head. Okay. So yeah, 
I'm sure these are going to be not optimal for traveling because I like to be on a plane and like to have my own like yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. These are not those headphones. These are super like comfortable. Also, because they're open back, they overheat a lot less. So I'm a lot cooler. They don't hurt me with my glasses because it's like, on. yeah. So they're lighter. Um, so I'm liking them. I was going to ask for headphones, but here they are. Um, controllers, I'm kind of good on with my... Yeah. Power A Spectra, we are a Power A partner. Use code DADS to get your Power A controller for the person yep. you love most in this world. Because these the, these are still my favorite controller. I'll never buy a, a Nintendo Pro controller again, as long as Power A is in business. Supreme, supreme option. Um, Yeah, I think that's about it. I don't know, should we make this episode a little bit longer? We can hit two hours. No. <laughs> Yeah, all right. That is our show. We will very, very likely be back. Uh, Before Christmas? Oh, we yeah. Uh, I was going to say next week. So the Game Awards are yeah. next weekend. So we will probably be back on Thursday the 14th. Is looking like a pretty good day for the next episode to come out. Um, and I'll be back on Tuesday playing dragon's dogma continuing my playthrough trying to figure out which class that i want to go through the rest of the game with hopefully not getting my ass kicked by the way huge huge shout out to our fellow capcom creator twas by design for the massive twas. big raid that he did on me this week uh if any of the twasers are following and listening hello again um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying streaming Dragon's Dogma, so I will be back on Tuesday. Uh, I assume we'll be back on Thursday. Could it be that oh this Thursday will be the fabled return to Boulder's Gate 3 co-op campaign? The thing that we haven't done since the game came out. I think we had one playthrough. And that's we it. did. We have. There's been a reason for us not to do it every single time we've been on CoStream. But this Thursday could be it. I, I can't wait. This could be the one. Or are we going to be playing Fortnite? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, think it happened? We'll see. Yep. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your weekend. Great week. I will see you on Tuesday, and we'll see you on Thursday playing something. Oh, no. Peace out, people. Bye. Bye.